The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will bring you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. My name is James Fitzgerald, Senior Reporter at CityWire New Model Advisor. And today I'm speaking with Quilter Financial Planning's Investment Director, Rick Ealing. Rick, welcome back to the show and thanks for joining us. Hi, James. Great to be here again. Now, last time you were on this podcast about um, seven, eight months ago now, I think, um, we spoke at length about Quilter's then new internal mandatory ESG assessments, um, and we will try and get an update on those later on in the podcast. Sure. But today, I want to speak to you about your new scam avoidance framework called Corpse. Um, interesting name. Run me through it. How does it work? And uh, how did you come up with that acronym? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important social duties of the financial planner is to help people avoid getting robbed. It's something that I think we're uniquely placed to do, because if you're a regulated financial planner, you've got the expertise and the credibility and then the, you know, the, the updated knowledge of what's going on in the financial world to, to warn people off these things. And it, it seems to get more important every year mm. because the range and number and sophistication of scams just seems to grow and grow. And it makes me so sad when you read these articles frequently on the BBC or, or a newspaper or, or whatever. And, you know, the, these are honest people who have saved some money and genuinely thought they were making a legitimate investment in, in whatever, and they lose everything. And it, mm. it, it's devastating. And I think we, we really do have a role to play to keep the public educated and, and safe away from this stuff. Now, the FCA um, do a lot. They've got their um, ScamSmart website. And all, all I've done with, with Corpse is try to distill the common sense guidance that you get in places like ScamSmart and elsewhere into something that's memorable and, and impactful and, and you can easily run through with, with somebody. And what I've tried to do is, is, is think of six basic tests. And I reckon if you stick to these six basic tests, you're never hundred percent safe, but you'll be a lot safer than you'd be without them. <clears throat> so every, every letter of corpse stands for something. So, so let's, let's run through them. The first is, is cold calls. Uh, the, the, the C of corpse is cold calls. If you're cold called by anybody, no matter who they say they are or what they say they represent, it is a scam. End of story. Legitimate financial professionals do not cold call. That's just a fact. Yeah. So even if they say they represent, you know, and the, the most egregious example is people claiming to be either the police or the or HMRC, you know, saying Mr. Smith, you owe us some money. And you know, the, the, there's a squad car on the way, is the sort of the worst example mm-hmm. I've heard of. If it was a cold call, put the phone down. And, and that, that, that will keep you safe. If they called you, it's a scam. That's the first one. O is if the first place you found this opportunity, inverted commas, was online, O for online, it's probably a scam. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that you can't read around the internet about legitimate investments. Of course, you can. And 
You know, Quilter has a website. All legitimate, honest financial firms have websites. But if you found this thing you're thinking of investing in first through social media or a link, it's probably a ripoff, particularly if it's on social media, because that is still you know, Wild West environment of unregulated individuals who are able to slip through the cracks of the requirements you, you should have, you, you have to have to give any sort of financial advice. And we've got people setting themselves up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And, you I was know, about to say TikTok. Yeah, TikTok and, and who knows where else um, pushing investment schemes or dodgy investments. They're all scams. I, I realize there might be the odd one that isn't, but the safe assumption is that they're all scams. Um, R. Now, R is probably my favorite. And R is is about risk. Um, My fundamental belief is that you cannot have any kind of investment reward without bearing investment risk. And the two always move in lockstep. Now, this among professionals, this is not controversial. This, this is this is just bread and butter, it's common sense. But if you're an unsophisticated investor and you're taking your first steps into the market, you are likely to encounter things presented as high reward and either low risk or no risk. They're all scams. They are all scams. There is no such thing as high reward, zero or low risk just doesn't happen. It it breaks a fundamental law of investment physics. So you don't need to know anything else about the scam. You know, about, about, it it doesn't matter what it is. It could be timber. It could be wine. It could be art. It could be cryptocurrencies. It could be non-fungible tokens. If anybody says this offers a reward without a risk, scam. Full stop. So that's C-O-R. Now let's get to P. The P in corpse is pressure. If you're feeling pressure, in a discussion with anybody about investment, and you feel like you're being put under social pressure or time pressure or any other type of pressure, it's a scam. And you need to be able to look inside yourself and say, do do I feel pressurized here? Do I feel like I'm being rushed? Do I feel like someone has made me think there's a ticking clock or a time bomb or any other reason why I might be doing this more quickly than I would otherwise be comfortable to do it? A legitimate financial professional will not put you under pressure. So if you feel pressure, it's a scam. S is schemes. Um, I'll be really blunt here. And if anybody wants to go 10 rounds with me on this, I'll take them on all day long. Let's go. All schemes are scams. And what I mean by schemes is trading trading schemes. Yeah. So whatever the underlying asset is, whether it's crypto, whether it's shares, whether it's anything else, if somebody comes to you and says they have a magic way to trade this thing, and just pay a subscription fee and come onto our platform or deposit money with us and our experts will run it for you. Foreign currency at the moment is, is huge for this kind of thing. If it's, if it's a scheme, it's a scam. Now, that's not to say there aren't people out there, very well-resourced, real experts who operate short-term trading programs at a professional level, hedge funds, whatever, and, and they do make money, but we're not those people. So yeah. if you're if you're being offered a trading scheme, safe to assume it's always a scam. And number six, this is um, this this is the real nasty one. And E is for echo. If you've been scammed once, you need to be on red alert for the echo of that scam. Mm. Because these crooks share details of people who have fallen for something once already. And they'll come for you again. 
they'll either come for you with a fresh scam or very likely you'll be approached with what's called fraud recovery fraud. So a nice gentleman will ring up and say, uh, uh, James, I'm devastated to hear that you've been ripped off, but don't worry, we have experience at recovering people's assets, uh, blah, 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 and you're in, you're into another ripoff. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you've just been scammed, it is safe to assume that every single person who ever speaks to you for the next three years is trying to rob you. Yeah. Now, that might sound extreme. These are all sort of blanket rules. And well, I suppose it's a relief, isn't it, that if you are scammed, then someone is there to help you. Yeah. Uh, and and pick you up, then, yeah. And this is why it's so awful. You know, I don't mm. know how these people can live with themselves because these are, they're vulnerable. They're at a low point in their lives. Um, I got scammed once. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. When, when I was much younger and new to the internet, um, I fell for... Um, and in retrospect, what an idiot! But I fell for Winfixer. Okay. Yeah, and and Win, Winfixer, uh, and we're talking years ago here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was a window that popped up on your PC and said you've got a problem, um, and we've we've detected the problem. And if you if you give us a little bit of money, then we'll fix the problem for you. Now, in in my technological and financial and general life naivety, I fell for that. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, it's 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 one of the things that you you you, you can learn from. But they took advantage of my lack of knowledge, my lack of IT confidence, um, and and general naivety. Now, what they did was steal my debit card details, and about a week later, some very very large transactions to a betting company in Singapore went through my account. Um, so I did all the right things. You know, reported the scam. Um, police came round. I got the money back from the bank. Um, and this was, you know, like I said, almost 20 years ago. Mm. But um, it hurts. It hurts. And, and when you get robbed, you, you feel like an idiot. You know, you think, how the heck did I fall for that? And if I'd been in that frame of mind and someone had phoned me up and said, um, Rick, I hear you, you fell for Winfixer. Well, don't worry. We can help you out with that. I would have been vulnerable to that. Oh, totally. Yeah. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever, from digesting market and economic data to probing new trends and ideas. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. With a proven past and an eye on the future, we bring the latest thought-provoking investment analysis and diverse ideas directly to professional investors. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco, let's advance together. Capital at risk. So that's Corps. And the only reason I've given it an acronym is so it's easy to remember. Um, but you'll find very similar guidance on, on the FCA Scam Smart website or, or elsewhere. And I just wanted to make it striking and, and easy to remember. That's all. No, it certainly is that. And I suppose, too, you know, how are you getting it out there to the masses? Well, I mean, we, we, um, we haven't done anything to get it out there yet other than this, uh, this, this podcast. Um, I, I only, only put it together quite recently, and uh, our, our PR guy was a bit peed off that I didn't do it in time for Halloween, obviously, with the, <laughs> the, the, the corpse link. Um, but yeah, the, I expect the PR guys will, will do something with it. But um, it, it's just a nice rule of thumb, I think. Mm. Look, the more we, especially with all the scams um, that have taken place for to people that have been vulnerable um, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, especially during the lockdowns, when people are at their most vulnerable, you know, any... any um, anti-scam work from, you know, any business, especially you know, the FCA is, uh, is quite welcome in the industry. So um, no good work with that one. Now, That's aside good. from, aside from this framework, um, you know, how much work do courses advisors um, do to you know, alert clients to scams? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we do things centrally through through messaging, um, but I would like to think that any professional advisor in Quilter or, or elsewhere will have scam alertness and scam avoidance on, mm. on their radar of, of things to do. I, I think it's a social duty of, of an advisor. Um, and it can take any number of forms. When, when I was an advisor um, 15 years ago, I encountered, um, a, a, it was a very memorable client, um, an elderly lady living alone who, when I first went to, went to meet her, was convinced she'd won the Spanish lottery. Mm. Absolutely convinced. She had a very convincing letter in her hand that, that she waved at me, and it promised her that she'd won a huge amount of money in a lottery she'd never entered. And I very delicately tried to explain that it was likely to be a ripoff, but she uh, she wouldn't have it. You know, she wouldn't have it. She was convinced that she'd um, she, she won the lottery. So over the course of a couple of meetings, I, I was able to explain how this works and, and that she shouldn't respond and she shouldn't pay them any money. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of thing happens all the time. You know, it, 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 I, I think most advisors will have a story about encountering somebody on the brink of falling victim of a scam and, and they just give them, give them the right word at the right time. Mm-mm. Well, I suppose, as you just said, that's the important thing about your advisor-client relationship. I mean, when you're dealing with somebody's somebody's money and somebody's investments and then someone does try to scare them or indeed they do get scammed, your advisors are quite often the first port of call, luckily. Mm, yeah. Now, huge event on at the moment, COP26, just a little yeah. bit of a pivot. That's on. Um, quite a lot of news, both uh, good and bad and a bit mixed coming out of that over the past week. Um, but important nonetheless, very important. You know, how important are these events for you know, ethical investment awareness across the world and especially the UK? And has it led to more clients, you know, asking your advisors about ESG over the past few weeks and months? Yeah, I, I think it has. Um, rightly, it's gathered a lot of headlines. Um, it's built on and supported our integration of ESG into our investment advice process back in February this year, which, which mm. we talked about at the time. Um, and it's still early days for us. You know, we, we have more things coming down the pipe next year to boost our ESG offering. Um, but even in the small way in which we have started, we've moved, you know, very ballpark figures around 100 million into sustainable portfolios since February that I think we wouldn't otherwise have done because we mm. didn't have the advice process to support them. Um, and 100 million in the context of, of Quilter um, or financial services in general is, is not a large number, but it's a number. And I think we've we've all got to be prepared to do the small thing. You know, I, I sometimes hear people being quite cynical about um, efforts to combat climate change because they're not going to solve everything. Mm. But there is no magic bullet. And doing little things that compound up over time and are done consistently and done with the right intent, I, I think will will make a real difference. Um, I mean, in terms of COP26 itself, I mean, it, it, it seems like a mixed bag in terms of the the tangible outcomes. You know, we, we've got agreement from 100 nations to end deforestation by 2030, including Brazil, who obviously are significant because of the Amazon. The, the flip side to that one is a similar agreement was reached in 2014, mm. and it doesn't seem to have had any tangible effect on the rate of deforestation at all. Um, so time will tell whether we can uh, arrest the 30 football pitches every 60 seconds deforestation rate, which if you think about it, is, is just staggering. What's that? A football pitch every two seconds. Mm, massive. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. So there's been that. Um, there's been uh, some progress on fossil fuel commitments, but they're, they're a long way out. I mean, India have committed to net zero CO2 by 2070. 
Um, so better than nothing, but that's 50 years away. Uh, and I, I don't really know how a government can be held to account meaningfully in the short term for a 50-year commitment. There's stuff that's a bit more concerning as well. We, we don't have um, meaningful emissions commitments from Saudi Arabia yet or Russia. You know, the, the second biggest oil and gas producers, respectively. Mm. Nothing there. And no pledges on methane from China, India or Russia although 90 nations representing two-thirds of the world economy have made commitments on methane. We've got these big brick countries that, that have declined to, to get involved with that. So it's a mixed bag. I mean, there are positive messages there, but there's there's a long way still to go. <clears throat> and uh, one thing you didn't mention there too um, is the, on top of these other pledges, you know, that China and Australia, the two biggest coal exporters in the world, mm. have also uh, declined to, to phase out coal by... Uh, We'll stop selling coal by 2030, which uh, isn't terribly good. But look, I suppose these events, COP26, the government, obviously Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, was was quite keen on this. This is kind of his flagship thing for this year. Um, but they haven't committed to, to more down the track. Do you think there needs to be more events like this and more regularly? Um, I mean, the events are only worth it if they produce something tangible that mm. governments are then willing to be held to account. I suppose my point was and, the more we have and the more we get these uh, these people into the same room and kind of putting that pressure on, is, does that make make it more important? Does that hold them to account at, you know, at some level or is it just kind of you know, wasting waste of care at some of these things? It, it's got to be better than nothing, James. Mm. Um, but I think if, if, if you listen to um, Greta Thunberg and the people in her orbit, she will describe this as just a talking shop. Yeah. Um, now, I don't subscribe to that view because George Orr is better than War War, as Churchill said. And, mm. and at least the right people are talking, even if they're not producing the tangibles that, that we would like them to see. I mean, the, the challenge that any developed nation government faces is that individuals like me and you, James, you know, in, in, in the wealthy world with extremely privileged lives in, in the global context, we're the people who have to undergo the greatest change in how we live. Mm. And no government wants to say that because it's going to be painful. You know, if, if you're um, if you're a subsistence farmer in Madagascar um, who right now are facing a famine because of things that can be traced directly back to climate change, you haven't caused a great deal of emissions yourself mm. and your life doesn't have to change that much in order to reduce emissions globally. But people like me and you with our cars and our heating and our flights and all the rest of it, we have to change the way we live in a big, permanent way. And I think politicians are still dancing around that reality to a degree. Mm -hmm. And if we kind of pivot again to, because honestly, I can keep talking about COP26 the next uh, next two hours. I'm sure you can as well. But um, just to pivot to you know, the more advice side. Yeah. Um, when we were speaking early this year, um, about quilters mandatory um, ESG assessments for their advisors. Uh, we, we briefly went over um, your FCA framework. Now, recently, which hasn't come to pass as yet, but Treasury and the FCA announced uh, last week that they, um, they they want to be tough on these rules for ESG investing and disclosure when they come in, which is set to be in the coming months, you know, whether that's next month or the next six, mm -hmm. no one knows yet. You know, they, they're talking tough and we don't know the rules yet. Does the FCA need to crack the whip on this or it should be up to each advisor and firm to you know, really sort themselves out and get ahead of the pack? Well, both. 
Um, I, I believe that it needs to become a regulatory requirement to have these discussions, but I don't think advisors should wait for that before doing something about it. Mm. Um, we we haven't, and a lot of our peers are ahead of the game as well. Um, I, I think it's it makes no sense from a social perspective, but also from a business perspective, to leave this till the last minute and then do the bare minimum to comply with the law. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why not embrace this as not only a way for your practice to have a positive impact on the world, albeit in a small way, and also a way to make your business better, offer something more to your clients. And, and you can do both with this. It's an opportunity to have impact and to, to, to run a better business. So take it. No, very well said, very well said. And again, with, with COP26, these similar events, it, it does seem that the viewpoint of advisors is changing, which is quite surprising. I mean, six months ago, you'd, you'd look on Twitter or you'd uh, <laughs> or, you know, comment some of our articles about ESG and that sort of thing, and they'd, they'd be quite negative, whereas those have started to disappear a bit and some of the viewpoints have changed. So, you know, hopefully um, that is the side of things to come, which I'm sure it is. And that also goes inside of it, you know, um, investment houses and asset managers as well. Um, a lot of our events, uh, or we don't make them ESG focused or ethical focused or what have you, um, but they all come prepared for it. So it's kind of, you know, things are changing at a very quick pace, especially this year and last year. So it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. And and what's interesting is that the number and diversity of ESG investment solutions coming to market. Mm. Uh, we, we, we've got to the place, and I think other firms have as well, where this is no longer a binary issue. It's not as if you're either a mainstream investor who doesn't think about this at all, or you're an absolutely dedicated, sustainable investor, and, and there's nothing in the middle. There's a lot in the middle. There are people who don't want to do nothing, but aren't yet ready for a dedicated sustainable investment portfolio. And the way in which mainstream investment firms are integrating ESG into their broad business practices, even if only in a small way, it's gathering pace. And we can see that through the work done by Square Mile, who provide us with with research in this space. The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk.